Hello and hello and welcome back to the DigiTalks podcast. I'm still not used to this, but I'm Natalie and I'm your host. <laughs> um, and today I am joined by Ashley Bailey. Hello. Thanks for joining me, first of all. I've been very excited about having yeah. you. I'm very excited to be here. For those of you who aren't familiar with Ash, let me give you a little bit of a rundown. Ash has over 10 years of social media management experience for some of Australia's leading brands. Ash is known for her creative and effective social strategies, keeping her finger on the pulse with the ever-frequent changes of almost every platform and continuing to innovate has Ash very deserving of being one of the best in the biz. I'm obviously fangirling a little bit because I've been following you and your career for quite some time as well. So when we connected a couple of years ago, I was very excited. You know, you have been really ruling the roost in the social space for some time and you should be so proud of where you've come. But it hasn't always been like this. You know, the social space has changed so much. And I think, you know, I'd love for you to share a little bit about when you started. Take us back in time. Yeah. Thank you, Nat. I must say that's a, such a nice little pep talk. <laughs> I think in this industry, we always, you know, self-doubt always comes knocking at the door and imposter syndrome and all that. So, you know, hearing someone say something like that, who's got an amazing career yourself is, um, yeah, pretty incredible. And I guess because I've just, you know, started back in the industry after having a baby, um, that kind of positive um, and, you know, being invited to do this is, is so important for the self-esteem. So thank you so much for that oh, intro. At least I can do. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, I guess starting from the beginning, yeah, the long story is I actually was studying veterinary science. So I was in my fourth year of veterinary medicine. I was in the first year in South Australia to do veterinary science. They had just made a, a new course. That is so random. Yes, yeah, so random. <laughs> you know that? It's always well. Yeah, no, not many people do. Uh, I think you've told <laughs> yeah. told me, but I, yeah, I just don't associate you. No, with that I know it's so random. <laughs> um, but yeah, I gave it a good crack for four years. I worked as a vet nurse, and my sister was living in Melbourne, um, and she was studying uh, textile, so she was in the fashion industry, and I always kind of envied her. We're very close, and I guess I finally admitted to myself I wasn't happy working as a vet nurse. I was able to see what a day in the life would be like once I graduated, became a doctor, and I finally got the courage to say, even though it was a very admirable career and, you know, I had lots of people saying very proud of me for studying that, but I, you know, put my hand up and said, I'm I'm not happy and this career isn't going to make me happy. Mm. So I literally packed up my bags and drove to Melbourne and lived with her for a bit. I reflect back now and I think, how did I have the balls to do this? But it was that fierce, fierce excitement of doing something new and creating a career that I was passionate about that I door knocked from fashion agencies and just said, hey, I'll work for free. I'll do some work experience. That is wild. Yeah. You know, with nothing on my CV other than veterinary science. Yeah. And, you know, trying so they're to... They're probably like, what is this girl doing? I know, <laughs> but it worked, you know. Like, I know, you know, in this day and age, I think when young people show initiative like that and passion like that, it, it's more important than anything else on your resume or anything else you've studied. So yeah, I got a foot in the door there, worked at the fashion. I, got, I was working, doing work experience with a couple. I got jobs offered at both fashion agencies I was working at. It became like a brand manager, which is basically a sales agent, but I realized I loved the marketing side of that. And then I got an opportunity at Westfield as a marketing assistant. It was a bit of a risk because it was only a three-month contract, but I was like, this is a great way to get into marketing. Came to marketing assistant at Westfield totally. Doncaster, which is like a premium shopping centre in yep. Melbourne. It's like Chadson, but a bit smaller. Anyway, this was back in 2010. So, you know, 12 years ago. So if we think about where social media was at then, 
like companies started to dabble in it. It was this thing like, oh yeah, let's let's make an Instagram account for the company or let's make, you know, an Instagram account for the brand. It was just a little thing they were dabbling mm. in. And because I was the newest and youngest member of the team, they were like, oh, Ash, you can you do can, it. You can run these. <laughs> you know, it's low risk, low re- responsibility. You can have it. You're young. And I became a bit obsessed with it, I guess. I realized I, that was like, my favorite part of the job. And I still did lots of other marketing parts of my job responsibilities, but I really was definitely aware that I loved the social media part. And I loved that I saw that I was getting results in it. Like number one interesting thing about these careers is that you can own your results. There's no guessing. There's no, oh, you know, we did a billboard. Who knows what happened? Everything you do in social media, you can own and validate that you it performed or didn't perform and you can that's also a great learning as well so that was probably 2012 and then I think I saw an ad advertised for on seek for a social media coordinator and this was the first time I've ever seen a job where the you know the dedicated job was just for social media that was unheard of in 2012 oh yeah it yeah. was so it was really weird and I was like oh so I can do my favorite part of my job I could do full-time as my job. And for Nine West, for shoes, that's cool. You know, at Westfield, I had to do Father's Day and fruit and veg and all that stuff too. <laughs> and also glamorous yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that That sounds really like a really great niche. And I went for it and I got it. So I spent two years at Nine West. Loved my time there. Yeah, I was just obsessed. Yeah. Reflecting back, and it's something I'm really open to talk about in this podcast, but I reflect back and I did not have a work-life balance and I was too obsessed. Yeah. But at the same time, I got incredible results. I grew mm. that account from 5,000 followers to 100,000 followers. Wow. You know, I did Rebecca Judd's first ever Instagram collaboration. Like it was the first time she'd ever done anything sponsored. You know, it, the list goes on. I was able to, and Instagram and social media was evolving so rapidly over those two years. So I had a fantastic growth opportunity there. Kind of hit the ceiling um, after about two years and then went to an agency, which was awesome to experience agency land. Yeah. Um, Going from in-house to agency was a big shock. You know, it's, I was obsessed with this one account, this one brand in-house to, I have to manage 12 accounts you know, and I can't be obsessed diving in deep every day. You know, my hours are billable and it was... You it's know, a completely different approach. Oh, completely. And that was a really hard shift in my brain to be like, done is okay. Whereas before I was absolute perfectionist because I had the time to, whereas mm-hmm. I didn't at that agency. But I think it's fantastic experience to have under your belt. And anyone who has that on their resumes working at the agency, you 100% know they're hard workers because, you know. You have to be. Yeah, you have to be. <laughs> it's not all as shiny as it looks. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, great experience. And then I moved back to Adelaide home. So I went for a Morfittville race course for a year and then I got poached by Haircare Australia. So at that time, I had no idea what Haircare Australia was. And it's one of these things, the hair industry, unless you're in it, you really don't know anything about it. I think it's like any niche industry though, you know, like when I was in real estate, I was like, I, you know, I name dropping and people like, who are you talking about? I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know that person? Yeah. They're the number one agent in, in Morfittville. And they're like, no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, sounds interesting. Hair industry, 
you know, it's very visual. It, it sounds like a great fit for social media, Instagram. And as soon as I got there, I was amazed with how thriving and booming the industry was, the social media and how important social media is for the hair industry. So that was about four and a half years ago that I ended up there. And I stayed there for four and a half years. Again, another real milestone. Loved what I achieved there. And just the growth opportunities of social media with the hair industry. I was, I feel really privileged to have found that niche and have grown in the head office environment there. But again, you know, I'm always searching for what my next move is, what's going to fulfill me, what's going to fill my cup. It came to me getting pregnant for me to think, you know, reflect back and think, okay, what's my next step now? Because the thing about my career is that there is... There isn't really anyone ahead of me in terms of experience, not in a cocky way of, you know, just years of how the industry has unfolded. There is no real next step or next position in a head office. I think there should be and one day that will evolve. But for now, there was no more opportunities to become more senior in social at the company I was at. And on top of that, there's this other aspect, which I would know we'll dive into, but being on accounts, managing social media accounts, I thoroughly, I really believe that it's not a job that you should be doing your whole life. Mm. It's not good. The long-term effects of being always on. It's not sustainable. No, no. So I had to find a career path that was going to be sustainable for a family. And like you said, to still fill your cup and to still mm-hmm. know that that's something you're passionate about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. that's the really hard thing. You know, often people feel like they have to choose between passion or a paycheck. Yes. Yeah. That's not a yeah. choice. That's so good yeah. choice. Yeah. And that's, the, you know, there was a lot of thought about, oh, maybe if I went broader, and, you know, but at the same time, I hadn't actually, I've gotten away with a career where I haven't had to study social media because, and I you still learn. don't think you need to, but. You know, I do want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I do want to maybe, talk about Maybe maybe they're catching up the unis, but not yet. Definitely not yet from what I've seen that what they teach. So yeah, I, that brought me to launching my own business. So about two months ago, I launched Ashley Bailey Consulting. So just so exciting. Yeah, it's so, so exciting. exciting. You know, it was brewing away for a while. I've I've always had this itch to be my own boss. You know, looking what you do, you know, is it, it's it, not all as packed yeah, up to me. No. <laughs> I'm realizing that. No, it's okay. But I did want to find a model that was gonna, I guess, be a bit smaller and manageable for that sustainable future. So I've chosen mm. with my consulting business not to go for account management. You know, I'm not sure if I'm even interested in in having employees, whether I can have a sustainable income from just myself as a, a mentor and coach. I think you um, absolutely an educator. Can. Yeah, I, think I hope you absolutely so. Absolutely can. You yeah, know, we've talked about this before, but the future is in education. Mm, exactly. And yeah. you know, we will go into this in a, a little bit more detail. But you know, I think particularly in businesses like the hair and beauty space, which is your absolute bread and butter, mm. content is essential. And yeah. They need to be upskilled as an internal team to know Mm -hmm. how to create the content and to know how to utilize it. If you're not in there with them every single day, then they're not going to get the results that they expect. So you need to teach them how to do it. Yeah. And that's the, I think, the interesting thing about social media for each industry. It's the level of knowledge, willing to learn is so different for each niche. The, The fact that I found a niche of the hair industry where they already are very good at creating content, they're just not very good at strategy and consistency and structure. Mm-hmm. Which is what exactly what you can Yeah, provide. which is how that model can work where it's actually not better for them if I manage their accounts. It's better for me to teach them how to, for them to better manage their own accounts. Whereas there's 
so many other industries where it's just they don't have time and they don't have the interest or the or the ability to create content where the agency retain you know account management is you know the option that they should be choosing yeah absolutely absolutely and i think you know it's you, like exactly like you say it comes mm-hmm. down to interest and mm-hmm. also the ability mm-hmm. um you know, for me, when I started the business, it was because A, I wanted to move away from fitness. I mm. knew that social media was effective in any industry. Mm. I was sick of people saying, my social media isn't for my business. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for everyone, but you just need to have the strategy in place and know what your interest level is to actually maintain it, whether it's internally and what your ability is to actually either work with an agency Mm -hmm. or do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even to this day, we come across clients or brands that simply, you know, they think they want to be on social, but when Mm -hmm. it really comes down to it and, you know, we have to ask for content and we have to talk about what we actually need from them, there's no interest level. They're just so disengaged and it's like, well, we're only as good as what you give to us. Mm. 100%. That's the thing. It always comes back to content, doesn't it, really? But that content, what are you going to post? Yeah, yeah. And but that and I think that's the crucial part of why our jobs are so interesting, though, is because we know if we can get the content right, everything else flows. And if, but getting the content right, whether you're a business owner or in the head office, there's so many elements that totally. you're not in control. There's things that I'm in control of. Like yep. I know I can do videography, photography, but budgets, good models. Yeah time and money invested into those channels, optimizing for each channel. Yeah, that's when you need everyone to be along on the journey. You know, all the stakeholders have to, you know, really see the value and, and invest in that. And that's kind of, again, something that I really want to touch on with you because I mm. feel like, again, watching your journey and obviously like learning more about your experiences, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you've done an amazing job of getting the people that you're working with really invested in what you are doing. How has that worked for you? Like, what can you, you recommend to anyone who's listening who might be in a similar situation? Yeah. So, firstly, the fact that we can report is really important. When I was at Westfield, Nine West or at Haircare, I would do weekly and monthly reporting. I'm always communicating to the higher up team. Look how amazing this was. This went viral. This got this many new followers. You know, making sure I'm aware of what they want to achieve and making sure every week I'm showing that we're achieving that. Yeah. So important. And I love that social media allows you to do that. You know, we had brand teams who would spend, and it's still still a soft spot for me because it's frustrating. You know, we'd have this media spend to spend with a magazine. Oh, don't, yep. (laughs) Thousands and thousands of dollars to put an ad in a magazine. You know, you have a dedicated person in-house organizing that, slap it in there, put it in front of the CEO, and it's, Tick, well done, good job. Yeah, because it's tangible. What did it do? What what does it do? I know. No one records it. No one even reports on it. But they just they just go, oh, but that's how much it costs to be in vogue, or that's how much it costs to. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So it and if I could have that money in social invested in social to you know the results I could get for that, it has slowly shifted. But you know, I I hope it's not being greedy. But just because I know how good the return on investment is. I, you know, I'm always hungry for more. So any mm. opportunity, I guess it is a little bit of an internal battle to to try and, you know, demonstrate to the really important stakeholders that your marketing money is best spent here mm. with social over the other channels yep. because I'm constantly showing you why. And it depends on the industry, but for hair, 
The great thing is that hairdressers, I do believe, and as much as I feel like big numbers should actually make your decisions, any business should make their decisions on crunching numbers, but word of mouth verbal, hairdressers spoke to the directors of the company I was working at and they would say just those testimonials of, wow, your socials are so much better now. Or like, you know, oh, I saw this product. You know, they constantly had this dialogue of we... Or on social on media. Social. And I do believe that the owners really did listen to that. You know, they always give a lot of time to their prestige partners, their clients that invest a lot with hair care. And I'm pretty confident that there was a lot of feedback saying social media is important. And that allowed them to go, okay, Ashley, you can build your team. Yeah. It depends on the industry as well. It's, it has to be a visual brand, yes. I think. But beauty is the same. You look at Mecca, you know, they had a structure of a head of social. Yeah. Jessie, I hope you get to interview her. Oh, Jessie, if you're listening, yeah. please come on my podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll listen. I'll come along. Yeah. So, you know, again, you can see the demands there for the beauty industry to have a big structure of social media. The future of what I see happening is companies like that will not even have like brand teams. They will actually, the head of marketing yep. is actually a social media specialist. Yep. It might say head of marketing, but their strategy will be social first. Purely driven on social. Yes. Yep. And you see entrepreneurial companies, that's their structure already. It's this historical companies. Yep. Not, I don't want to say old fashioned, but yeah. No, that companies, is the traditional yeah, structure. Yeah. You know, that is the way that most businesses, you know, they were taught to mm. to flip it the other way, whereas mm-hmm. now we know yeah. that if you, in terms of ROI as well, yes. the easiest way to reach more yes. customers yeah. is to be active on social media and then in turn to invest in that area. Exactly. You know, I think eventually there'll be restructures where marketing teams will be mostly digital yeah. and that the brand manager or brand marketing coordinator, marketing executive, it's, yeah, it's, there's no separation, I think, in the future. I think they're over-indexing in the, in the entire marketing team by having brand teams, digital teams. You know, it's a lot of salaries, really, when really I think you can do the same thing with a, just a digital structure and a, a, a social Agreed. media-led structure if you are a visual brand. Yep. No, yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Mm. And I think, you know, seeing that evolution over the past, gosh, you know, I think we're thinking about 10 years now, mm. you know, like we mm. said before, 2012 on social media. <laughs> what a what another time. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like it is now. No. I'd love to go back there just quickly and, you know, mm. talk to me about how were you achieving growth back then? Because yeah. I think the approach is very different now. Definitely. For me, I've always had a obsession with creating content that is real because I have, I guess, that analytical brand, maybe veterinary science or science <laughs> brand background. Maybe that's why it helps me. I, I love looking at the numbers and, and trying to analyze why something performed well. Mm. So back at Westfield days, I realized Muffin Break would send us an email <laughs> and say, we've got a special where you get a muffin and a coffee for $6. And they'll give me this ugly tile. The graphics, yep. This horrible square tile and say, post on your social media channels. And I was like, there's a better way of doing this. I'm going to walk down to the muffin break, ask for a coffee. Sometimes it depends who you got. Some people would be like, no, we're not giving that to you for free. Eventually, when people got realized what I was doing, they would actually allow me to photograph their stuff. (laughs) But I could photograph the coffee, upload that. And that would get so much more traction and engagement than me posting this ugly tile with, te- with text on it that's got no kind of, doesn't look like it's... It's not enticing. It's not, and it doesn't, it doesn't relate to being in the shopping centre. As soon as you take a photo of the actual coffee in the shopping centre, like someone who follows you instantly goes, that's Westfield, that's yeah. Westfield Doncaster, that's my lo- local coffee shop. Text plate 
asset's never going to do that. So that's, I guess, the foundation. I would spend a lot of time walking around getting capturing content on just my phone, yep. you know, at the fruit and veg, you know, getting all the colours of the fruit and veg lined up, just silly things like that. But I always think, how can I tell this message in a visual way that's more real life? And so we were, I still think that visual strategy allowed us, our follower growth was a lot stronger than other shopping centres. So when you work for Westfield, you get very competitive with the other shopping centres oh, I can in imagine. Westfield. And so again, that's something we would always, as a, as a marketing team, would report back, we have the largest following, we have the largest following, you know, good old vanity metrics that we all love. <laughs> but that was seemed to be underpinning everything. So I still feel like that's so important 100%. even now. But then... The next thing I guess that happened in the evolution of social media was getting regrams. So at Westfield Doncaster, a new store opened called Hollister. It's an American brand. It was meant to be amazing. It, it flopped. They're very similar to Abercrombie and Finch. I feel like it rings yeah. a bell. Yeah. yeah. So they're a huge American brand, mm-hmm. huge following in America. And they opened their store at Westfield. And I was like, I need to get, I need to pick up. And they had these like shirtless guys, like, I think it's like a surfy brand. So they were in like boardies. And I was like, I'll take a photo of them at the opening. (laughs) And so then Hollister, their actual global account, so again, this is back in 20, I don't know, 2014. They regrammed that picture. And I just remember opening the work account and just seeing like we got like 3,000 new followers. And this is way before regrams were a thing, getting shout outs were a thing. I was, like, was it even like a regram with the regram app that yeah. had it in the oh, corner? Yeah. Oh, was, wow. And the picture was like, you know, <laughs> these pictures I'm, I was taking are cringe now. They're like fully filtered, bordered shadows. Ugh. But, you know. Hey, it worked. <laughs> it did. It did. And I was just like, wow. Like they, they saw my picture I took and because I tagged them, They've seen it and they've reposted it to their audience. That's massive. Yep. So that was, again, a huge light bulb moment. And now it's like absolute, you know, if anything, it's a bit saturated now. But there were the two kind of real pinnacle points where I was like, I can grow my accounts from doing this. Yep. I realized all the retailers that were in Westfield, getting mm. them to re- repost the things I've been taking was going to help as well. Westfield has pretty big names as ambassadors and yeah. stuff, getting them on board as well to be doing those shout outs. And this was before even advertising was a thing. It's now lots of more sophisticated ways that aren't really underpinned by creativity, I guess. Mm, more strategic. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, advertising strategies came out. I didn't really dabble in that until I was at the agency. Westfield had an organic strategy, which was pretty cool. But, you know, even if I look back then and when we got a quote from Instagram to do it, the first ever ad, me and my boss were like, get, let's get on this. And it was crazy expensive. I remember he quoted us $50,000 for an ad. Yeah. Um, so we didn't go with it, but it was still super interesting back then when, you know, it was the first time you were going to see sponsored content. Isn't that crazy to yeah. think back, you know, I even think about my time at Sweat, you know, when, yeah, we, we were the first ones to use Instagram stories. Mm. And I think, mm. what? That's something that's so accessible. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, when you think about paid advertising, yeah. It is so accessible. Your cost of entry is so oh, minimal now. Literally, I think it's like five dollars. You can is the lowest amount you can spend. It's insane. I've got, I've got people using three dollar a day yeah. budgets, and yeah. they're still getting results. Yeah, why you not? Can do it. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's mind blowing to think why why you wouldn't. Now yeah. that's not to say that obviously there hasn't been huge changes in the way mm-hmm. that it's done. Now mm-hmm. you know I'd suggest that it mm-hmm. was for fifty thousand dollars you'd yes. be getting some serious support there yeah. um, to make sure that you're getting the results that you want. But yeah. Yeah, now yeah. it's it's just not like that. Yeah. But I'm very much like you in the paid space. That was that's never really been my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I've I'm very organic focused mm-hmm. as well. But there is a place for it, Definitely. and I think you know it's about 
how do you educate people to how to prioritize yeah. their marketing budget? Yeah. Well, think about it. Would you really want to follow an Instagram account of a plumber? Probably not. But if you've got, you know, some plumbing issues that you need to be addressed, you would be happy to see an ad for it, you know? So if the end goal is to get more clients, you don't have to have this super engaging plumber Instagram account to do that. Yep. You could just have... Just a keep really, the lights on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a nice little grid, like well-curated grid, one post a month, whatever. But it's the advertising strategy that's actually going to get them across. I don't want to delve too much into this because this is another episode, but mm. I definitely feel like, you know, I've had, I say arguments, but I've had heated discussions mm-hmm. with paid specialists about what is more important and always mm. go paid over organic. And mm. I will fight for organic to the death. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair enough. Yeah. I think there's just some products that just aren't sexy enough to follow, mm. you know, it, but then that comes down to the effort of creating that content. You need a really creative person to spin stuff, which is awesome. And I love, love, love when a non-sexy brand can achieve that. It's the best. Yeah. You know, that's really clever marketing. How much convincing you need to do sometimes with with different owners. And resources, right? I think one of my favorites when you talk about like a not sexy brand, Lingo. Have you seen that? that? It's like a, um, it's a translator app and their like mascot is an owl. Their TikTok, their Instagram, everything is just hilarious. (laughs) Like they've just made something out of nothing and everyone now picks it up. I think it's called Duolingo. I don't yeah. even know. I just know yeah. the owl. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good there marketing. You go. There you go. It's stuck. Yeah, that's good. Let's talk a little bit more about a business who is not sure where the social should sit externally or mm. whether or not they should bring it in-house. You know, we talked about the fact that social media coordinator job in 2012 was revolutionary. Now, when people are looking for a social role, again, what do you think that that job description should look like? What do you think is realistic for someone on a full-time basis? What should their role look like? Yeah, big question. Hey, loaded, <laughs> loaded gun. I guess the skill set you're hiring for it is so much now, isn't it? It's, oh, you're a graphic designer, yeah. you're a content creator, you're an ad specialist, you do 100%. SEO. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I think you just have to have a real, a really clear plan of what your goal is and how many channels you're going to be on. I find that, and it was always a battle at any company I worked for, posting frequency and what channels we're on. And I would always be very protective about opening new channels, new brands or at hair care. Um, we're a house of brands. So new brands were coming and going quite often. And that was a very, I guess, triggering thing for me because I love the idea of starting a new account, but the ramifications of workload and diluting the rest of my work. Mm. I'm, I'm be- I was always really protective of that. So yeah, it's again that education around there's no point being everywhere. You're not going to invest in the actual staff members you need for that. Yeah. I used to work on a model three accounts as capacity for a a person. So that was my way of saying, you know, we've got three more accounts. We need a new person. Yeah. That kind of works sometimes, sometimes didn't, just depends on on the business. And I guess when I was hiring, when I'm hiring, so at Haircare, the structure that we had, I was really lucky to be able to have a team. So I was a social media marketing manager and then I had three staff underneath me. But when I first came um, to the company, I was it was just myself managing 27 social media accounts. That is wild. Yeah. With the help of a Melbourne agency, but I was able to quickly demonstrate with what we're paying the agency, we could have an in-house person as a coordinator. And then so my team grew from me to me having one person underneath me. And then as I continued to show that we were getting results... 
they were, yeah, they allowed me to have additional staff. So for me, the skill sets, I think there's nothing more transparent in figuring out a skill set than stalking someone's Instagram. <laughs> oh, I could not agree more. If, if you want a job in social media, yeah. you've got to protect your own gram. Yes, like it's, it totally. goes without saying. And, you know, I think even for me, when I was, when I was rec- um, recruiting people to work, work in influencer marketing when we're at RiderWare, first thing I would do is go on their Instagram. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, but if you don't understand content and you can't appreciate yeah. a really good photo, yeah. I, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't know if I can teach you that. Yeah, that's the thing. The first and fundamental check, I guess, of, of their skill sets was if they had the eye for it. Because mm-hmm. you can't but, teach that. No, yeah. So going onto their Insta to see what, you know, their pro- profile is, because that's their online business card of their visual eye that was, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, some candidates, it was straight away, nah, yep, agree. you don't get it. And then the, the ones that, it, but you know, it goes both ways. There's ones that, nah, you don't get it. And there's ones I'm like, I think you get it, but you get it about yourself, yes. not so much. I don't know. You could apply it to your own personal branding, but can you apply it for a business? Mm-hmm. It's a fine line. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you do You can do a lot of research in there. And a lot of the skills can be taught. So that was my fundamental, finding someone with the visual eye and believing that they can be taught the other skills. Yeah. It's, it was always a bonus if someone had like videography skills or like professional photography skills, but at the same time, it wasn't a, a, like a deal breaker. Same with like a degree, it, I, especially with my background. I never wanted to only choose people who had marketing degrees because I didn't. It was hypocritical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, and I'm, and I'm exactly the yeah. same. You know, I'm really glad that you, you know, you talked about mm. the education side of things mm. because I'm, I'm pretty transparent in the fact that I didn't finish my marketing degree. Mm. Um, I ended up in real estate. Mm. You know, these things happen, but you teach yourself everything. And the, the reality yeah. is that social media is changing every single day. Yes. You know, like, yeah. gosh, today my feed looks like this. Tomorrow yeah. it looks completely different. 100%. Like, we've all got to keep up with it. Mm. So, yes, although there is certain education we can do from a strategic perspective, mm-hmm. I do believe that a lot of it comes from learning. Definitely. And I, when you find a staff member who you does enjoy their performance of their content. I think that's really important as well. They, they're, um, they're invested and they're yeah, bought into the process. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some of my staff members when they were like, Ash, look, this post did, you know, so well. This had the most likes ever. Like I loved seeing them being proud of those moments. And it's so, and you know, that's a, a team celebration that everyone needs to hear about. Like that Absolutely. validation is so important, I think, if you're in the industry. And it just shows that you care, you know. It's 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 such an interesting job that we're what we do is just so transparent and it can mess with your mind. That's yeah. the bad side of it. It can, you know, actually be detrimental to be so transparent and, and so put out there. Every post you do is your work being put out there to be judged by other people in the office, you know. Mm. And it's, it is a bit daunting and you do have to have a bit of a thick skin or, or have at least... Um, Be able to separate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, it's, it took me to go to a bad place to realise what, what things I needed in place to make sure I don't get like that and spiral into that. But it, I do believe you can, as long, you know, there are quite a lot of tools available to limit your screen time or, you know, think about how something, how a piece of content makes you feel when you when you look at it. I think that's really important to be consciously scrolling, you know. I think, Rather than mindlessly, yeah. yeah. I mean, what's, yeah. The, what's the statistic now? It's we scroll at 80 kilometres an hour or something crazy wow. like that. Yeah. How much are you actually consuming mm-hmm. when you are scrolling? Mm. 
I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you mentioned, you know, that feeling of vulnerability when you do work in social mm-hmm. media, when you post something and everyone knows mm. it's you. I definitely feel that from an agency perspective mm. as well. You know, I, I, a lot of people close to me and I think as well other businesses that we work with, they know the brands that we work with. If something goes up, I do feel like it's my name mm-hmm. on the line a little bit. How How did you kind of handle that? Because I know, again, even in my previous roles, I feel like, you know, something goes up and the whole office starts talking about, did you see that post that just went up? This, this is getting really nitty gritty, but this is where I think other marketers are watching you closely to see if, if there is errors, then they can have put their hand up and say, that's why I need to approve it. You know, that's why brand needs to approve something. I believe any social strategy is being agile and minimal layers of approval. 100%. Minimal layers of approval is so important for innovation. Yeah. So important. You need to be able to just switch it up. Yeah. And you need, you can tell when something's orchestrated. You can tell when something's being done by like 20 people and they've sat on it for six months and then it goes up and you're like, ugh. It's irrelevant. Yeah. So... Protecting that was really important to me when I was in the head office environment. And I, yeah, I f- reflect back now, I'm like, oh, how did I get away with not having to get all, all, every brand approved? There was a couple of brands I still had to. There was, you know, certain stakeholders that just would not yep. let me. But it's a building up of trust, but also, I guess, trust, but also establishing where you are in the line of, you know, I made sure I had that title of social media marketing manager because it's really important for people to understand. I want it was reflective to make sure people know that we, you know, we do our own sense check in our team. Yes. We don't need another layer of someone deciding whether they think that's nice or not nice. You know, subjective, yeah, we call the shots. subjective feedback in marketing is so infuriating. Mm. It slows down so much and people, they... If, if a marketer feels, feels threatened by something, they will throw in subjective feedback mm-hmm. just to stop it from happening and for them to feel like they are inputting. Yeah. And cause marketing is subjective. Feedback for the sake of feedback. Yeah. 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 And, and you're exactly right. It is subjective. Yeah. I think it's something that this perhaps our generation of marketers are finding mm-hmm. with maybe perhaps the ones who aren't as experienced with digital. Mm-hmm. They do. They do feel the need to have an opinion for the sake of having an opinion. Yes. And it can make things really challenging yes. because, you know, like you say, you sit there and present the data and say, cool, this worked because of X, Y, Z. We need to keep going with this. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, brand thinks yeah. this photo looks better. Yes. Okay, that's oh, great for when, brand. That's when they throw in the, oh, but that's not on brand. What does that mean? That, yeah, that is such, people just throw that word just to try and win an argument. Mm-hmm. And they, it gets, you, people just change when or when, like when that does suit and when it doesn't suit mm-hmm. and they just add in new brand guidelines and rules where it suits. Yeah. Yeah. What's your best advice for someone working in social who perhaps, you know, is maybe experiencing some yeah. of these roadblocks and finding yeah. like it's stifling from a creative yes. perspective? Yeah. It's, uh, I think you, you need to be passionate enough to keep at that battle. You need to be at those meetings, you know, have a seat at the table so that you can make sure any of that type of dialogue, you can you can shut it down by showing those stats. You know, it takes a bit more of that leadership role, I guess, to be able to have that confidence in saying no. But, you know, always referring back to the stats of why you do something. Your statistics and numbers are so much more powerful than someone just saying it's on brand. Totally. And then getting the stakeholders higher up, you know, to be aligned with you. You know, having those moments with them so that they just know, no, you need those, you need people that are in your corner who are aligned to, yeah, 
that's and knowing the who right they way. are. Yeah, because I think from a from a hierarchy point of mm. view, it can often be if you're direct manager. So let's say you're mm. you're a graduate and you're in social, and you know that for mm-hmm. whatever reason this needs to be this way, mm. but your higher ups don't actually understand that, yeah. and you're fighting a losing battle. Mm. That can be so soul crushing. Yeah, if you're going to be in a social media career, you need to be proud of your work. To be proud of your work, you need to be able to do. Do your job. Yeah. And, you know, do those creative ideas and do things fast. And if it's that structure is slowing it down, then you'll just start posting whatever, you know, you won't have, you don't have that care. You'll be like, oh, well, just do what they want. And then no one, especially I think the next generation coming through, no one wants to be a minion. No. No one wants to put something together for three other people to to decide. Pull it apart. Yeah. Yeah. I find that really, I've always found that really hard. And, you know, I've done my stint. I've done 10 years of corporate and... and I think you've done yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah <laughs> basically. And I thought after Matt leave, I was like, I just, I don't think I could go back to those conversations. I want to innovate, you know, watching social media evolve. My favourite part has been that innovation. When anything new feature, anything comes about, being able to act on it, pounce on it is really, I find really exciting, you know. We did hair care. We were able to do like giffy um, stickers and stories. Like they're, they're not like they weren't like groundbreaking changes, but instead of having, you know, some agency say they could do it for us, we were able to do it ourselves yeah. in-house. Filters, things it's like empowering. that. It is. Yeah. So, and having a young team where, you know, had some really digitally savvy people that were, were wanted to do those jobs and we were able to, you know, create that without getting the filters approved by 10, people. Yeah. It, that's a, a great structure to be in. Yeah. That I guess would be the other advice. If your idea is really innovative yep. and like a new feature, the oldies can't keep up. No. So, <laughs> nah. so if you pitch a concept high up, a really um, out there. Really, yeah. And it's really like, we'll be one of the first that other marketers, they're so far behind the concept that they'll, they sometimes they, and they get too busy that you're kind of able to keep, you know, pedaling forward. I find. Yeah. Sounds terrible. No, but not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I think I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think the hardest thing is again, getting someone invested in an idea mm-hmm. that a, you might not have any tangible data for as of yet, mm. but how can you actually prove that it's worth the investment? Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest challenge. Yes. Yeah, it is. And that's, I guess, investment for me. My other loophole in terms of growth is that when it comes to actually spending money, I was very savvy at making sure we didn't have to, we could use internal resources of our own skills, editing, creating filters, creating giphies. That they that other layer of approval of sign off of costs, I didn't was minimized. Yeah, yeah, that's so, really clever. You know, even like hair content, we would work with salons that were happy to do it for free, models that were happy to do it for free. I, those barriers of you know begging for money were like it does. You know, I still wanted budgets though because then I could have even more. You know, I could create even more. Keep up sleeve, right? Yeah, yeah. But the great thing about social is you can write, you can run a, a tight budget. And if you've got those skills yourself, that, yeah, that layer of approval is kind of, you can really minimise that. Well, that's internal perception as well, mm. because, you know, I guess the higher ups are looking at it and going, well, you know, it's not the social team coming to me asking for budget every five minutes. Yes. It's so-and-so. Yeah. So when yeah. they when you do ask, well, must be for a good yeah. reason. Yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not yeah. constantly badgering, yeah. asking for yeah. spend. And that was, I guess, something I, I still find challenging, but it is evolving. Just the concept of like a brand photo shoot. How much that costs to do a brand campaign 
And then where does that go? Yeah. We're talking agency, videographers, everything. Talent, and, hair, makeup. And then trickle, and it has evolved a lot now, but, when, you know, I look at Nine West's first campaigns and Evo's, some of their first campaigns, it was big brand concept and no one was thinking about where that thing they made it was going. It yeah. would be like this YouTube, vi- well, not even, they didn't say YouTube, it would be this three-minute video of like all gallivanting around. Yeah. I'm like, but what, what is this? Where does this go? It's so funny you say that. How because do I use this? Exactly right. Honestly, like one of my biggest frustrations and part of, again, me starting this business has always been people want the cool video that goes for three minutes and yeah, it looks amazing, costs you an arm and a leg, but what happens to it? Yeah. Why no. are you actually thinking about the output when you're developing the concept? Yeah. No. And like, who watches a three minute video? I'll be lucky to watch three seconds. Exactly. It would, it would just be the people in-house in the brand, watching themselves on replay. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a great video. No yeah. one else is watching it, but I'm glad you like it. Yeah. yeah. When you can, like you said, you can use your own resources and do mm. something on your phone. You know, yeah. Our phones are incredible these oh. days. We're filmed on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, these things can happen and yeah. you can still get incredible results. You don't need to. Yeah. Not saying there's not a place for it because there is, but it's about being strategic yes. and knowing where totally. is that place yeah. and how can we get the absolute maximum yeah. out of it. Totally. Like, you know, a website is always going to need those really polished assets. You know, an iPhone doesn't really cut it all no. the time for that placement. But the same as print. Yeah. You know, if you want to do anything yeah. in that in that yeah. realm. But like, why can't we flip it? Why can't the shoot be social a social shoot and then we get a couple of those assets Agreed. just to tick the box? Agree. And that's probably I found I think is a challenge too as for any marketer. Content frequencies, like we need so much content now. We can't just do a shoot once a month and try and do one shoot to be used across every channel, every placement. Yeah. And get results. Yes. So my goal in-house was I always dreamed of a structure of where you had individual shoots for each. It's dreaming because it's yeah. a lot of money, but individual shoots for each outcome instead of one shoot to try try and and tick off all these boxes and it was always diluted you know what the assets you ended up were always diluted and not absolutely optimized for channel because there were one thing trying to be everything yeah so which is one of the biggest things in I think in modern marketing mm -hmm. it's we are trying to be everything to everyone yeah and it'd be hard for you guys as an agency because you get those last minute requests like oh we also need some images can you get some images and like that's whole different shoot to doing a video. (laughs) It all comes down to expectations, you know, and this is why I I really wanted to talk about, you Mm. know, how you get people invested. You know, I think our clients are 100% one step ahead because they've come to us in the first place and Mm. they've engaged with us. So Mm. they do appreciate it. Um, But our job, and I think my job personally, is to educate them on the importance of content and the importance of investing in the mm-hmm. fact that just because something worked today doesn't mean it's going to work tomorrow. Exactly, yeah. And I, can I explain it? No. Yeah. But just like, you know, we talk about Instagram in 2012 and it was it was easy to get 3,000 followers. Now, to get someone to actually follow you, it's mm. like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's like it's almost so getting them flattered. to yeah. commit to marrying you. Like it's <laughs> it's really hard because yeah. they go, well, why do I need to follow you yeah. when your content's going to come up my feed anyway? Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then I'll just go on you yeah. if I want to go see something. And then following like a thousand people, do I really want another, you know, to add another one to the list? And I think that comes down to people being a little bit more mindful with their social media use. Mm-hmm. You know, I... Mm-hmm. I know that I personally, it takes a lot for me to follow someone. Mm-hmm. So like, if I followed you, feel special. You know, I don't, I'm not sitting there going, yeah, cool, I'll follow you, I'll follow this brand, I'll follow yeah. this brand, I'll follow this brand. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Because again, the way the algorithm's working now, Mm -hmm. we're getting served content that isn't from people that we're choosing to follow. No. So I'm already seeing more than I want to see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard to control that space to be a feed that sparks joy. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a Marie Kondo perception. I'm here for it. I do think it's really important to make sure your feed, when you're looking at it, sparks joy. For me, yeah. I, I have, I know I'm, I compare myself a lot. And now going out my own, there's lots of other social media coaches out there. And I just have to be very aware of, and, you know, I can make sure I'm not following in other social media coaches, but I might You're get, gonna get served I get, it. I still get the content. And sometimes it's helpful. And I don't know, sometimes I can feel a bit intimidated by it, but I, I really make a conscious effort to make sure I, I mute or unfollow or I say, don't want to see this because I know that's not good for me to have that negative, you know, mindset and that kind of negative scrolling is really something I want to avoid. And I want to use my time to be posting and engaging with my community, not scrolling and and feeling insecure. Well, I think, you know, that comes down to as well, the fact that you are a new mummy. Yes. And your time is, your time is precious. Oh, yes. And, you know, you don't want to lose time scrolling on TikTok for yes. the sake of it when you could be doing yeah. something with your daughter. Like, exactly. You're already, you know, she's five months old and you think, shit, can she see me, you know, scrolling right now? Is she looking at my phone? Mm. Like, it's, it's What are they scary. actually absorbing of exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you, you, you do take a step back and think what's it all for and what's the real purpose and... Yeah, you do a bit more con- conscious about what you're doing because, you know, it impacts someone else now that you care about. So how do you then balance, I guess, your time in that sense, but also keeping up to date with things? Mm. You know, like I said, things are changing at a rapid pace at the moment mm-hmm. and it is it is your job to keep on top of that. Yeah. So I invest in a coach myself. Yep. I've just subscribed, bit the bullet and, and paid for the an annual med- membership because I am time poor now. I'm extra time poor. I want one source of information to teach me when there's something new and then I can digest what they've taught me and I can apply it to my niche for me to then educate my clients on. I think that's just something I've just decided to do because I was, I guess I was probably being a bit cocky and think, oh yeah, I can keep up, I can keep up, but you actually can't. And it's it's quicker, more efficient having one source of trust than looking at hundreds of different things. Totally. Yeah. And one trusted source too, because as mm. we know, there's a lot of noise. Because there are so many different interpretations of these mm-hmm. updates and these changes, mm-hmm. one person says hashtags don't work anymore. Yeah. One person says you have to only post reels. Oh, one yeah. person it's says so that, conflicting, put the hashtags in the caption. Yeah. Who's correct? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And then who cares? You know, hashtags are great, but they just it's just one thing. Yeah. It's, it baffles me. It's fi- finding it really interesting the more I educate, the, the repeat questions you get. You know, it's, just, it's, it's things that aren't, I guess people think it's, it's they're novelty. Quick, yeah, they think it's going to quickly solve things. Like, what time should I post? Like, you just need to create engaging content. And I love, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I love testing that theory. Like, mm. you know, I'll post things on, I'll use our account as a bit of a test mm. because I'm like, you know what? I don't really care if our account grows or not. Yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to achieve that. Yeah. I know what my goals are. Mm. Um, so I'll post things that I know are really engaging at traditionally and not very effective time mm-hmm. and they still perform. Yeah. And it's go. just like, I wish that I could package that up and prove and pan that yeah. over to a client to go, guys. This is why we need to invest in this type of thing. Yeah. Don't worry about the times. Yeah. It's yeah. irrelevant. It's it's hilarious. And the algorithm doesn't even support that anymore anyway. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's um once, you know, you and I have been in the industry for so long, there's 
there's a lot of assumptions where we think everyone knows this, don't they? And if oh, they don't. tell me about it. You like <laughs> you do. Like if I, if I tell someone that, they're going to be like, well, duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you say yeah. it and they're like, that was my light bulb moment. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. If, if yeah. I knew it was that easy to to to, to give someone that, yeah. that gem of information, yeah. I need to do this more often. Yeah. I think the hardest thing is finding, figuring out, I think, the most important thing you need to invest in first if you're trying to educate someone is figuring out where they are on the spectrum of sophisticated yeah. at, at social to they don't know anything. Absolutely and you novice. can kind of tell from someone's grid, to be honest. Like, mm. I'm sure you're the same. We can scan across someone's profile grid and be like, okay, they're here, you know? You can, you know, you can, you can cherry pick pretty quickly what's going wrong or what's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So... I want to, in closing, because this has mm. been amazing, um, I could honestly sit here with you for hours. <laughs> totally good. Usually it's with a glass of wine. I know, I don't have one. <laughs> I want people to know sort of what your next steps are. So you've, yeah. you've talked us through Ashley Bailey Consulting, which mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. And obviously, you know, your your thing is hair and beauty. You mm-hmm. are the guru. Mm-hmm. What, what does working with you look like? Yeah. So yeah, my niche is the hair industry. So I'm available for hair and beauty salon owners or individual stylists. So the first option I think that is my main bread and butter is the membership. So online, I've called it the Creator Club. And basically you subscribe to uh, paying $49 a month and you get access to an education video per month. Every day I send something in the DM thread, you know, just like we were talking about that, you know, the updates that happen on Instagram. I'm, I filter through the information. I send them Amazing. curated information for them about that update that's specific to the niche of hair and beauty. And, you know, I'm there to be their posting power. Like, you know, I think everyone needs someone that they can bounce off ideas. You always get that little nervousness before you post something like, is this shit? They can DM it to me. I can be quickly give them that feedback because I can look at something very quickly and figure out what needs to be optimized and changed. Yeah. So it's it's like a, me- yeah, it's a mentorship program. It's a coaching program. It's one-on-one support and it's Love me it. saving them time and saving giving them the information that they need to just to do what they do already a great job, but to do it even better. So the membership is uh, a main part of my role, but I also do workshops individual courses, one-on-one training, lots of virtual training. I work with brands as well and brands will, you know, have conferences and I present to their clients. Awesome. Yeah, it's a lot. There's lots, you know, it's just the beginning. I'm only really working one day a week at the moment. Oh my gosh, you're getting so much in in one day. (laughs) I could, you know, it's one of those things. I I think being a business owner, you'd be the same. You you never stop wanting to do more though. No, there's not enough days in the week. No, yeah. No. But, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to childcare one day. That's going to help. Yeah. You know, I really love face-to-face education. I think it's great that we can do online education to connect with people all across the world. But face-to-face is so valuable as well. And I guess from my perspective, I I find it really rewarding. Sitting, you know, teaching a class and seeing those nodding heads and getting those DMs afterwards saying, I feel so inspired. Reading the room. That's, you know, that's really validating for me and um, really important. So that's, I guess, my goal to get more of those. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. This has been so good. My pleasure. Um, I think we'll have to do a part two because, again, social is just so much fun, Pat. Ever, ever, yeah. ever evolving yeah, beast. But exactly. um, no, I definitely think you've shared some real gems and I'm really grateful for your time. And again, as always, hop onto Facebook, join the DigiTalks group. Um, any questions for Ash or any questions in general, please don't hesitate to jump on and we will see you next time. Thank you.